Good morning. Thanks, Pastor Nathan. Appreciate it. Have you ever uh, done something a certain way, and then you've, you'd always done it that way, and then you discover a new way, and you just, it's like a, it's like a, beaming revelation, like, why didn't I do it this way all along? I, I, I like to build things. Now, I'm certainly not a builder. I'm not a contractor. Um, you know, I'm not like Ken Christensen over here who can just build things in his sleep. I, but I do like to build things. And, um, you know, I've built uh, fences and decks and docks and various things. And And my grandfather was actually a builder. He was a contractor. He built a lot of a lot of things around this area. Uh, my dad uh, was not a builder, uh, but then I like to build. And um, I, I actually have a couple of hammers that belong to my grandfather. Uh, you know, and so when I built, I always built with a hammer, and, and that's just how I knew. I, I, I nailed things together. Uh, and um, I remember one time I needed to build a new fence for our yard, and I had a friend who, who actually had some uh, experience in the contract and construction business, and he had an air gun, nailer, a nailer. And he said, hey, do you want to use my nailer? And I was like, I got a hammer. I even have my grandpa's hammer. I mean, why would I need a nailer? He said, just try it. Try to use it. I said, I don't even know how to use it. I don't know how to use this thing. He said, just try. I'll come over. I'll help you get started. Use, use my nailer. I said, okay, we'll try the nailer newfangled way of doing things. And so um, he comes over and we start putting those fence boards up and it was just like, this thing was beautiful. I could, I could just go, ka-chung, 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 ka-chung. you know, I mean, it didn't start that way. It, it didn't work that way right at the beginning. I shot a lot of misfires initially, but this thing made my job so much better and so much easier. I loved this tool and um, I felt a little bad for my old hammer, but I love this new tool, and I thought, why, did, why haven't I been doing this all along? When I finished the fence, I just wanted to nail things with it. You know, I wanted to retake my, you know, picnic table apart and put it back together just so I could use this nailer. Because when you find a new way, when you find a way that's different and new and that is uh, more, uh, more effective, you don't want to go back to the old way. Now, there's always going to be a place for my hammer. But, uh, but, you know, I think the nailer is the way of Jesus. And uh, uh, today I want to talk about, I want to talk about the way of Jesus. I want to talk about His way, and, and once we discover the way of Jesus, my hope, my prayer is that we, want, we won't want to go back to the way we've always been doing things. It's 2020. Um, I enter this year with, with great hope. My, my prayer actually is that by the end of this year, I will be a different person than I am today. And I know that uh, as I stand here today, I'm a different person than I was a year ago uh, because of the things that God has done in my life, the kinds of shaping and molding and sculpting, and some of it I didn't like, a lot of it, frankly, I didn't like this year. Um, but I'm a different person. About a year ago or so, I spoke here. And Lisa and I had just entered into what would become probably one of the most difficult years of our life. I could probably say it's the most difficult year of our life. Um, 
I won't go into great detail except to say that I'd, I'd lost my dad in 2018 and then at the very end of 2018, the 28th of December, <coughs> uh, we lost Lisa's mom. And that day, we found out Lisa, my wife, had breast cancer. And a few days later, we moved. And we moved my mom into our home with us so we could care for her. The cancer that took Lisa's mom was sarcoma cancer. And um, so we, we moved my mom in uh, in January of last year. And then she lived with us. And then she developed sarcoma cancer. And she passed in November. And uh, so, um, outside of those things, it was a pretty great year. <laughs> um, it, was, it was quite a year for us. And uh, I talked last year uh, at this time about taking our cues from heaven. About how we need to take our cues in our reactions, in our actions, in our behavior from heaven and not from earth, regardless of what is coming at us. And... Um, I couldn't be more grateful today to God for His presence, for His power, for His peace in this last year, for the cues He gave us to follow Him in this last year. We didn't always follow them perfectly, but we're grateful to Him. I, I told somebody this morning, I don't know that I've ever been more grateful or um, maybe more aware of the tangible power of prayer than I, today, than, than I am today because of this last year. And I'm so grateful for my incredibly amazing fighting wife who is doing great today uh, after a year of battling with, with her cancer. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for the beautiful family of God. And so today, I feel like I know God better. I feel like I long for Him more. Uh, it's interesting to me, fewer things really matter to me today, but the things that matter to me matter much, much more to me today. And, um, and, and, and so I want you to just consider today's message, message number two, a sequel, if you will, to this message I gave a year ago. And since I'm pretty confident that many of you weren't here when I preached this a year ago, and I'm, I'm very confident that those who were here a year ago don't remember what I preached a year ago, um, hopefully you'll view this as the freshly falling snow that will come later on this afternoon or like the hope of this new year. Um, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. We're going to talk about Jesus. And uh, the ways of Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. I want to read this story. Uh, and then we will unpack it a little bit. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came... He was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage in his eye, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. 
Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let me pray and then we'll keep going. Father, I'm so grateful today for your presence with us. Lord, I'm grateful for this church family. Lord, I'm grateful that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I pray, Lord, you'd draw us into yourself today. Conform us a little more into the image of Christ. Help our will be yielded to your will. Lord, our motivation be driven by your spirit. Help us to listen with open ears today. And Lord, I pray that you would set me aside. We would fix our hearts, our, our minds, our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. What an amazing story this is, isn't it? I mean, you read this story and it's, it's remarkable. If you've read it, read it many times. Um, maybe it doesn't strike you as remarkable. Sometimes that happens. We read a story over and over and it just becomes kind of just another story of the Bible. But when you read it, when you just... When you think about what's going on in this story, it is a remarkable story. And all of us come into Scripture with beliefs and assumptions uh, about Scripture. Some, uh, there are some maybe in this room who, um, you know, for you, the Bible is a good book and it's, you know, it has had important historical uh, impact, but perhaps it doesn't have a daily impact in your life. That could be a, a, a possibility that you think, you know, it's a good book. I don't really read it much. I don't reference it much, but I know that there's, there's value in it. And for others, you know, you come into the Scripture and it is, um, it is everything to you. It is the reference. It is the foundation for everything that you do. And we all come into Scripture with these beliefs and these assumptions that will influence the kind of impact that that any particular story we read in Scripture might have in our life. And, and we're forced to think through some questions uh, that influence how we read a particular Bible study and, uh, or a Bible story. And I just want to think about these for just a minute because how we read the Bible and how we understand stories in Scripture uh, really make a difference in whether or not we're going to be following the ways of Jesus or not. So some of those questions... Uh, are these. What first one is, what do you believe about the Bible? What is it you believe just about the Bible itself? Do you believe it is a just a book uh, written by men that recounts some historical uh, facts, or maybe it just recounts some, some great stories that have uh, perhaps some uh, meaning, some some lessons in there that you could you could glean from? Maybe you you just believe some of it is just you know men's words that that, uh, you know, people are trying to, trying to force something, you know, make something happen through this compilation of men's words? Or uh, do you believe it is the Word of God? Do you, believe it is the, do you believe it's true? Do you believe it's the inspired Word of God? I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. I believe that, that it is the, our rule, uh, our, our guide, for faith. It's our infallible guide for faith and life. 
And, I, and for me, the Bible is authoritative. It's the authority upon which I build my life. It speaks to me of Jesus and His ways. So when I come into Scripture, it has that kind of meaning and that kind of impact to me. Another question you might have to answer when you're reading Bible stories or when you're reading the Scripture is, what do you believe about Jesus? What is it about Jesus you believe? Do you believe, he was a, uh, do you believe that there was a Jesus? There are some who don't. Do you believe that Jesus was a man, was a teacher, was a prophet? Uh, do you be- what do you believe about him? Do you believe he was a lunatic? Do you believe he was who he says he was? Do you believe he was the Son of God? See, I believe that Jesus is God the Son and that he emptied of himself of his deity. He was born as a baby by, uh, through a virgin birth, that he lived a perfect human life in perfect communion with God the Father and empowered by God the Spirit. That's what I believe about Jesus. I believe He died for our sins and He rose again on the third day. And then what you believe about Jesus uh, will impact how you read these stories. Another question you might ask is, what do you believe about this story in particular? Maybe you say, I believe the Bible. I believe in Jesus. But when I read this story, I'm not sure the story is really true. I think it's a great story and maybe has lessons in us, but lessons in it, but I don't know that it's really true. Because in this particular story, you know, what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about Jesus, and what you believe about this story really matters. Because in this particular story, Jesus walks on the water. So is this is this a parable? Is it a is it a fable that just has lessons, or is it true? See, I believe this is part of the narrative. Of Scripture, I believe this is part of the narrative of Jesus' life. I take this part of Scripture literally. There are different kinds of Scripture. There's parables and there's poetry and there's history and there's narrative. I believe this is part of the narrative of Jesus' life, that this literally happened, that Jesus literally walked on the water and uh, that this story is true. And so what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about a particular story impacts whether it's going to have what kind of authority, what kind of impact it's going to have in your life. So I believe the Bible is inspired word of God. I believe that Jesus uh, is the Son of God. I believe that this story is literally true. I think Jesus walked on the water, as crazy as that is. <laughs> There's something more crazy in here, but, but I believe it's literally true. This year I'm doing something different in my Bible reading. I, I do a daily Bible reading every day, or I try to do it every day. I don't do it every day. Sometimes I miss. Anybody else miss? Sometimes, yeah, we all do. So I, I, uh, I, I do my daily Bible reading. Usually I do some sort of a, a Bible reading pattern where I read through the entire Bible in a year. This year I'm not doing that. This year I'm reading the Gospels. I'm only reading the Gospels all year. I'm reading them over and over again. I'm spending my time all year, my, my daily personal devotional time, just reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to invest my time into those. doesn't mean I won't read some of the others in different times and study, but, but that's where I'm going to focus my energy and my personal devotional time. And the other thing I'm doing this year is I'm, I'm beginning to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount you find from Matthew about 5 through the beginning of Matthew 7. I'm starting to memorize that. And as I'm reading, uh, doing this reading and as I'm memorizing this, you know, these are familiar. I've read the Sermon on the Mount probably hundreds of times. Uh, it's familiar, but, but it's also brand new. And that's the power of the Word of God, is that it is alive. 
and it breathes new life into you as you read it. As you're going through new things in your life, as you're experiencing new, under, new aspects of who God is, as you're going through circumstances in your life, the Word of God breathes new life into you as you read it. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do. And as I'm reading Jesus' most famous sermon and these stories, it's challenging me in new ways, and it's identifying this tension that lives within me that I, that I want to live in the ways of Jesus, that I want to be like Him. I want to be conformed, as Scripture says, conformed to the image of His Son, Romans 8, 29. I want to, I, I want to be like Him, uh, but I am in, in so many ways still subject to my own ways, to my own flesh. I'm, I'm, I'm too often conditioned by a culture and a world system that often makes logical sense, but at a foundational level is so broken. And I get conditioned because I live in this world. I live in this, in this system, and I get conditioned sometimes by the system, and I lose sight of the ways of Jesus. But I want to live in the ways of Jesus. And this, this Sermon on the Mount is just messing with me in fresh ways this year. And as I'm reading through the Gospels, it's just, it's just popping uh, for me this year. But here's what happens is the way of Jesus will create tension in you. It just will. We live in this world, and the ways of Jesus, the way of Jesus will create tension within you. When we're a follower of Christ, we live in this tension between the ways of the world, between our own reason and our flesh, and between the ways of Jesus. We find ourselves living in one reality, but knowing and longing for another way, that uh, that way is the way of Jesus. And that longing actually is evidence, is actual additional evidence that there is something more, that there is something beyond what we're experiencing in this world and in this life, that there is something greater that we can experience. And there is another way, and that is the way of Jesus. Pastor Nathan talked today uh, in his announcements about the kingdom, that, there's, that we're doing kingdom work when you're giving away those backpacks. I absolutely agree with him. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. They were, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the people around him were all waiting for this to be some physical, political kingdom, complete with an overthrow and some uh, visible throne. Uh, sometimes I'm afraid that <laughs> there are too many who are still looking for that sort of political overthrow in this vis- visible kingdom that we're going to kind of take over everything. But, but the kingdom Jesus established was different. It was a different kind of kingdom. It was a new way of living. It was under the authority of and reign of Jesus, who's our king. And it would come with power that was supernatural. And it, it would come with peace that was beyond our understanding, but not without conflict. It would be fraught with good news, you know, blessing and hope and and healing, and grace, and deliverance. And Jesus himself, when he lived this life, he embodied this kingdom, and he declared the presence of this new kind of way. And he said, listen, it's here now. I want you to be a part of it. Uh, and, and one day it will culminate in perfection, but you can start living this kind of kingdom here and now. In his great prayer, of course, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that He wants us to live in His way. And He showed us through His life what this could look like. And when we're followers of Christ, you and I become members of His kingdom. And what's supposed to happen is His ways are to become our ways. His reality now is supposed to become our reality. But we live in this other reality. And so we have this tension 
between these two kingdoms, one foot in and one foot out. And, and, um, and, and the, 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 the reality is when we're following Jesus, we live in this tension. Because we look at the ways of Jesus, we look at the way life is here, and they seem sometimes like these things don't connect. When I was going through this, I wasn't, I mean, when my wife really <laughs> was going through this in this last year, and my mom was going through this in this last year, I dealt with this tension within me. And we all do, you know, because I know that in the kingdom of God, there's no sickness, right? There's wholeness. There's healing. And so I know that Jesus is a healer, that Jesus has the ability to immediately, in an instant, bring healing. And so that was our prayer. That was our hope. That was what we fought for, is for healing, initial, immediate, miraculous, supernatural healing for my wife. But then as time went on, and we live in this brokenness of the world where there just is sickness, uh, she she. She had to go through these medical procedures and take these medicines. And so there's this tension of, okay, so I'm living in this world, but I'm a member of this kingdom, and in this kingdom there's no sickness, but now we got the sickness, so how do I reconcile this? And so I'm very, very grateful for medical technology. I'm very grateful for advances. I'm very grateful for science, and I believe God uses those things and has used those things to heal my wife. And I'm grateful for that. But there still is this tension between, God, I want to get, I want to be in that place where there is no sickness, where there is no death. As, as we brought the hospice bed into my home for my mom, I, I remember thinking, you know, maybe there's still, maybe we could still pray. Maybe, maybe there still could be healing. Maybe, maybe there's something else that could happen and there's this tension within me. And that's the tension we live in when we're, when we're in, the, in the kingdom of God. We live within the struggle of this tension. And then just here in the last couple of weeks, I just think on a, on a global scale. Some of the tensions we've been encountering just in our world, right? So the, one of the biggest terrorists in our, in our world was taken out. Soleimani, I think that's how you pronounce his name. was taken out over in Iran. And, uh, and then, of course, there's this discussion back and forth between Iran and the United States about, well, you did this, so we're going to do this. And, and, uh, and then if you do that, we're going retaliate, to retaliate in this way, and we're going to take these people out. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, and even in this, in this, you know, world tension, this conflict, there's tension within me because I think about it and I think, okay, I understand and I want our country to be protected. I want our people to be protected. I want our military people to be protected. But I'm reading Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. And it's talking about things like retaliation. You've heard it said, you've heard it said an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you that if your enemy slaps you on the cheek, turn the other one. But I tell you that um, if he forces you to go a mile, go another mile with him. You've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. And so I'm listening, I'm reading this, these passages, I'm reading about the ways of Jesus, and I'm li listening to what's happening in our world, and I'm thinking about what I want to happen on a world stage, what I want to happen for our own country, what I want to make sure, you know, what seems fair and what seems just. 
But one of the things that I don't want to lose sight of is this, that Jesus values every single life. He he believes every life is valuable and is created in the image of God, that every life has equal value, whether it's a life from the United States or whether it's a life from Iran or whether it's a life from Iraq or no matter where the life is from, he holds those lives in value. And I never want to lose sight of that heart that God values us. And every lost life is a terrible tragedy. So there's this tension in us. And the reality is, is if when we, when we go through these things and when we, when we think about these things, we, we need to admit that we don't always know what's the right answer. Sometimes our logical, practical, culturally conditioned positions are in tension with the ways of Jesus. And I think we have to admit that, that we don't know, okay, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the right thing we're supposed to do is. There's so, much, uh, there's so many complex issues, there's so many variables, and so much nuance. But here's the thing, we also need to be determined that we will not try to align Jesus to our ways, but that we will always try to align our ways to the way of Jesus. That's what's got to be central. That we can't try to align Jesus. Okay, here's what I think should happen, Jesus. So I'm going to figure out a way I can align you and my beliefs to what I think should happen. Instead, we should say, here's what I think, Jesus. Does this align with your ways? That's the heart. And maybe it does, but I think that should be the heart. See, as a man, Jesus said, he only did what the Father showed him, what, what the Father told him. That's why Jesus prayed. He needed to be with his Father. He needed to hear his Father's heart. And he showed us how to pray because he knows we need to know the Father too. And the way of Jesus will always start in the presence of the Father. It will always start in the presence of the Father. In this story we read, Matthew 14, 22 to 24, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So Jesus, they've been through all kinds of difficulty. He dismisses the crowd, and he goes, and he's just going to spend time with the Father. And you think, okay, well, if Jesus is God, how's, how, come he, how come he needs to do this? Well, he was, he was living as a man. He still needed this communion with his Father. He needed not only just a daily understanding and recognition of his presence. Like I can, We can go about our day and we can realize, okay, God is with us all day. We can talk to him all day. That's a, that's a form of prayer. But even Jesus himself needed to have specific times where he set them aside and he went up and he just spent time focused with his Father. See, Jesus had to get out of the noise and hear the voice of the Father. There's a, there's a passage in Luke, verse 5, 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Matthew 6, you don't have to turn there, but in the message version, it says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. We need to get away like Jesus did to get out of the noise and hear the voice of the Father because life's not always safe and calm. The verse goes on to say in verse 24, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Because the wind was against it. Life is not always safe and calm in this world that we live in. Jesus had been rejected in his hometown. John the Baptist had been killed. There were so many people surrounding Jesus and the disciples, they didn't even have time to eat. And now... The disciples in the boat that Jesus sent them in, thank you, Jesus, they go out into the sea, they go onto this lake, and 
And they were being, in the, in the ESV, it says, they were being beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. The wind was against them. Sometimes in this world, we're going to get beaten by the waves because the wind is against us. It's just true. And we've got to be with the Father so we can get His perspective in the midst of the storm. If you don't have a regular habit of prayer, if you don't pray every day, if you don't get away just to be with the Father, I beg you, I urge you, start because it is the way of Jesus. He didn't do anything unless the Father told Him to. That should be our way too. We do what the Father tells us to. And He will speak. And here's the thing, faithful prayer in the uneventful days will help us to recognize the voice of the Father in the unimaginable days. You know, sometimes things are going pretty good. Things are kind of cruising along, and so we might not feel the desperate need for prayer. But it's faithful prayer in those regular days, in those uneventful days, to help us recognize the voice of the Father in the days that are unimaginable to us. It makes me think about um, my daughter... I remember one time um, we were out of town, and uh, there was a phone. Uh, there was a phone call for me, and um, it was my daughter, and uh, she had just been in a wreck, and uh, crashed crashed the car, and um, so who did she call? She called her father, because it was her father's voice that would bring some sense of comfort. That, that, you know, I couldn't be there. I wasn't there. I couldn't, you know, all of a sudden transport myself there and fix it. But she just needed to hear the voice of her father to get some perspective. She didn't call some random person that she wouldn't have known their voice, right? She, if, if some random person would have called her in that moment, she wouldn't have taken that call because what she needed in that moment was to hear the familiar voice of her father. And that's what happens with us, is we need to be with our father enough so that we know his voice. So when those days come where we desperately need him, we can hear the voice of our father giving us perspective. The way of Jesus always starts in the presence of the father. The way of Jesus also won't always make sense. Verses 25 to 27 say this, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, walking on the lake, they were terrified. You know, we read this, and we just read it, because we just read it. It's just We have sort of a Bible read voice. And we read it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And we just kind of skip through that. That's crazy. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Of course they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. They're terrified. The way of Jesus doesn't always make sense. At one time, you know, Jesus went to a man who couldn't, he hadn't walked for 38 years. And somehow he was able to put all of the tendons and muscles and bones and everything back together so that he could immediately walk in that moment. He was able to put all of those cells back together in a man who had been born blind in such a way that that man could see immediately. The ways of Jesus don't always make sense to us in the system of this world that we live in. Jesus can do things that we don't understand. He's able to do the miraculous. He's able to take a few fish and some loaves and feed 5,000. He's able to do things that don't make sense to our logical mind. And here he... 
overcomes essentially the laws of physics and he walks on water. Now, the question we have to think through is, why could Jesus do this? There, there may be as a couple of reasons why Jesus could do this. Um, one, he didn't do this. It's just a myth or a fable or a parable to just support a story with a good lesson. That could be an option. Two is, he could do this because he's God. And God can do anything, right? So if God wants to walk on water, he walks on water. The third the third option is that he did these things as a man, but at times his heavenly Father gave him the power and the ability, even as a man, to do things that are supernatural. So one of those three has got to be the option of, of, of what really happened here. But, you know, Jesus, for at least from what we read, he didn't always walk on water. Sometimes he actually took a boat. <laughs> so, so this just wasn't his normal pattern. Um, but he was showing in this some new kingdom ways of doing things. Now, I don't recommend that when the storms continue to go today and there's flooding that you just try to walk on water unless the Father tells you to do that. But at the prompting of the Father, he, Jesus here, he's not just showing off. He just didn't come off the hill and just go like, I'm going to really blow these people's minds. I'm just going to walk out here and just scare them to death. Although I like that kind of sense of humor, so I kind of hope there's a little of that. But, but he wasn't just showing off. He's out walking on the water. Uh, he, he did it out of, because I, I believe it came, came out of that time with the Father, out of intimacy with the Father. He knew God. He trusted God and um, on, in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus wants us to live in His ways, and sometimes those ways don't make sense, and sometimes those ways will be at odds with our previous norms. Sometimes it's miraculous. Sometimes it's our way of just viewing life. Sometimes it's our way of viewing people. Sometimes it's our way of encountering situations. For me, sometimes I'll just, you know, sometimes some of my personal desire to consume and accumulate um, for my own comfort, for my own ease, for my own individualism, um, that I highly value. Uh, sometimes it's, it's actually not individualism, it's isolation and it's selfishness. I just know that about myself. And sometimes that makes perfect sense and, and aligns perfectly with uh, the American way. Consume, gather, get as much stuff as you can, be individual, um, you know, protect, uh, comfort, ease, uh, sometimes that makes sense and aligns perfectly with the American way. And then sometimes I measure it with, against the way of Jesus and I'm convicted that that way is not His way. That way is not always His way. Sometimes the way of Jesus won't make sense to us in our normal way of thinking. Let me step on some potential toes here uh, as warning. We're entering an election year. How many are just excited about that? Nobody. And, and some, some of your political leanings and associations may be the willingness to overlook your own party's indiscretions while condemning the other party's indiscretions. The devaluing of human life or the devaluing of those who are other, those who are different than us. Maybe they don't share our values or our citizenship or our color or our faith or whatever it is they don't share. They're some other than us. 
it may be that sometimes those things may make sense from a perspective or the view of political expediency. It may make sense to you from an end justifies the means. Well, I'll just overlook that because the end is going to justify the means. But listen, it's not the way of Jesus. It's just not the way of Jesus. We are so polarized. And this world system pushes us toward polarization. It forces us. It's pushing us. You need to take a side. You need to pick a, you need to pick a camp. And you need, to, you need to stay in that camp. Don't move outside of that camp. Don't allow for nuance. Don't allow for maybe, maybe there's some, something you can agree on from the other side. No, you stay in your polarized camp. That's kind of the way of our society right now. And we feel forced to choose our camp or be canceled by people. If I, if I don't stay in this camp, these people are going to cancel me. If I agree with that person on the other side, then I might lose friends. I might even lose family members. And it's a crazy culture. And what happens is we dig in our heels to prove how right our side is. And we stop listening. And we stop evaluating through the lens of Jesus and His Word because we just have been forced and we've been conditioned. We're going to stay in this camp. This is the way. But I, I just want to issue this reminder that's not foreign to anybody, but Jesus is not contained in or represented by any political party. He, he is king. And some of you might be sitting there, even as I say that, you might be thinking, yeah, but Chris, this party's platform, how could... And even that thought uh, is a reminder of how culturally conditioned we can be to avoid any thought of, hey, maybe there's some agreement from both sides. Maybe there's some of God's kingdom ways in, in the other side that I just haven't been able or willing to consider. Jesus is the king. And Jesus is the way. And sometimes the way of Jesus doesn't make sense. And sometimes he's going to ask you to forgive someone that in your mind makes no sense to forgive. Sometimes he's going to ask you to take a stand or a position that may make you feel isolated from everybody else. Sometimes he's going to ask you to go places and he's going to ask you to do things that take you out of your comfort, that take you out of your familiarity. Because sometimes the way of Jesus just doesn't make sense to our way we've been conditioned. Sometimes the way of Jesus says, you've been sitting in that boat doing things the way you've been doing them for so long, you don't even realize that it isn't the boat that's going to save you from the storm. That it isn't your savings account or your bank account or your 401k that's going to save you. That it isn't your president that's going to save you. That it isn't your Supreme Court that's going to save you. You might just hear Jesus say, listen, I'm out here on the water and I'm not contained by a boat and I want you out of that boat and I want you to come out here on the water with me because I want you to walk in my way. And the way of Jesus should be our way. It should be our way too. And it might mean taking yourself out of some ways you've been familiar with. 14, 28 to 33, I'll finish with this. Lord, if it's you, Peter says, here's the, I think it's crazy. I think the story's already crazy. Because Jesus is walking on water. Now it gets even crazier. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. <laughs> and Peter got down out of the boat, 
and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. This is Peter. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? See, I think when I, when I read that story, I think Jesus is sort of chuckling there. Verse 32, and, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The way of Jesus should be our way. Jesus walked on the water, and then he said, okay, what, how about you, Peter? You ready to get out of the boat too? You ready to come walk my way? You ready to do things in a different way than you've been familiar doing them? We know why Jesus could walk on the water, right? We, get, we talked about three options. Either he didn't, or he did because he's God, or he did because the Spirit empowered him. So, how could, how could Peter walk on the water? It's not because he's God, right? Um, it's because Jesus told him to. He did it like Jesus did. He did it at the prompting of the Father, out of intimacy with the Father, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important for us to recognize, listen, this way that Jesus lived, this life that Jesus lived, He empowers us to be able to live the same way. He believes you can do it. He believes you can see people the same way He sees them. He believes you can love people the way that He loves them. He believes you can include people the way He included people. He believes you can take a different stance than the tension that this world and the way this world pulls us to take. It's the way of Jesus. And, and the only way we're going to know the way of Jesus is to continue to get to know Jesus, is to, get, to continue to spend time with Jesus, to continue to spend time and see how did Jesus work, how did Jesus operate, how did Jesus live. Consider the way of Jesus. Look at how He treated people. Look at how He lived. Make decisions based on Him. Make decisions based on His Word. I dare you. I dare you. <laughs> this, year, this week or this year or sometime, read the Sermon on the Mount. And as you read it, read it slowly. And just let it, just take it in. Just take it in. And as you read it, just at each point where the Holy Spirit says, you know what, there's an area you can grow in. Just highlight that. I've done that. And the whole thing is highlighted. Because the way of Jesus is just a different way than what we're normally accustomed to. Let Him continue to shape you into His image. But here's the thing. You can't do this in your own strength. You can only do this in the power of the Spirit. Jesus did what He did because the Spirit of God allowed Him to do the things that God He did. And we can only do this in the power of His Holy Spirit. If you just think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to will myself to walk on the water, it's just probably not going to happen. No, not probably. It's not going to happen. But but you can do all these things. You can love people. You can see people differently. You can engage situations and circumstances differently by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you. You can do this. And I would just ask you, what's your boat of safety? Where do you find your security? What is your hope placed in? And I'm going to read this verse that I read at the end of my message last year at this time, and it's, verse, it's 1 John 2, 6. It says, whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in Him 
must live as Jesus did. If, if, you want, if you want to just be more conformed to the image of Christ, if you want Him to continue to shape you, God, help me to be more like you. Help me not be so conditioned by this world. Help me not be so conditioned by familiarity, by the things that I've trusted in all this time, by, by my grandpa's hammer. Let me be open, God, to the ways that may, you might open up new ways, new life new hope, new possibilities to me by the power of your Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you to make that, make that your prayer today. Make that your prayer today. Just close your eyes, bow your heads. If you, if you would just say uh, this morning, I just, I just want to function, and this is a very general question, but I just want to function more in the way of Jesus. I recognize that I, I tend to stay in this boat of safety or this boat of that I've been conditioned to stay in. This is just my way. I've always done it this way and I've always seen things this way. But I, I really want to be empowered by the Spirit to see things Jesus' way. I really want to be empowered by the Spirit to, to live in the way of Jesus. If that's you today and this year, you'd just like to say, I want to be a different person by this time next year than I am today because I'm now living in the way of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you just slip up your hand if that's you? Father, I pray for every person here. God, you may not call us to walk on the water, but you will call us sometimes away from the boat of familiarity. You will call us out of the place of safety. You will call us even maybe away from the group of people to think differently, to see differently, to do differently. But Lord, I pray that it always be at the prompting of your Holy Spirit. And I pray for each one whose hand is raised that, God, they would be filled fresh with your Holy Spirit today. Lord, fill them up again. Lord, empower them again to, to function not according to this world's way, to the system of the world. Lord, not, not according even to the, just the American way. But, Lord, that we would be driven to lead and live in Jesus' way. And, Lord, in that, we would be a light for you to those who are watching, to a world that desperately needs you. And Lord, we live in this world, and so we want to do it faithfully. We want to make good decisions. We want to make wise decisions. But Lord, I pray that we never let those things trump the ways of Jesus. Let that be the authority upon which we live. Lord, I pray every person in this room would be transformed, would be new people, more shaped into the image of Christ next year than they are today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.